You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I'm going to be ministering to you on the greatness of our salvation. Uh, these truths I'm going to be sharing tonight really magnify how great our salvation really is. And I remember when I first came to the Lord, one of the first uh, teachings that I, I learned was the power of the tongue, uh, Proverbs um, um, 18, verse 21, where he says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I remember saying, this is great, man. I can control my body. I can sit, speak healing. I can restore people with words. And I remember I just loved it. I love to, to say things that open doors up for me. I love to bless people and see that their hearts open up for God. I love to, to pronounce blessings on people who are sick and, and see divine healing operate in their life. I love to see that. And, and, and that's the whole thing about the salvation of God. The more revelation you get, the more you're going to be in love with God. Amen? Because God doesn't just save you for the life to come. He saves you for the life that you live in right now. Can you say amen? amen. So I want to start with tonight, if you would, uh, look over in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll go through this. Um, and this is a truth that I think is, it really shows the greatness of God. When you understand that when God, when you accepted Christ, Christ forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future. Some people believe that when you get saved, God only forgives you up to the point of salvation, and then you have to continually ask God to forgive you over and over and over again for the rest of your life. I'm going to show you in the Word that one of the greatest things of the salvation is that when you come to Him, He completely forgives you of every conceivable sin that you've committed right now and the ones in the past, and the ones that you may commit in the future, he cancels that debt out for you. Can you say amen? amen? Now, some people say, well, pastor, that's not true. God doesn't forgive in the future before we sin. Yes, he does. Think about it. 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross for you. You weren't even around. And we died on that cross. That sacrifice forgave you of all those sins that you would accept him later to receive. Amen? So that was futuristic, wasn't it? Amen. Now, look at the text with me. We're going to go through it. Then he said, Behold, I come to do the will of God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Now, he's talking about the old covenant. The old covenant pointed to Christ. The new covenant establishes it. In other words, it establishes our salvation. That means everything is done. Everything's finished. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is already provided. Let's go on. But that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Say once and for all. In other words, it doesn't have to be repeated again and again and again and again. Under the Old Testament, they were always offering up animal sacrifices, always going to the priest because the sins were never really removed. They were just covered. For us, when we believe, God removes all of them once and for all. Look at this. And every priest that stands ministering daily, off, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered up one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. 
For by one offering he has perfected forever. Say perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. You know, here's a little nugget of truth in the Greek. The word there, perfect, is uh, it's a perfect tense word. And it means it's an action in the past that goes all the way into the future. And in the future, it's completed. In other words, it's not something that's repeated. It's something that's happened. God perfects us in Christ forever. I said forever. You say, well, I don't feel perfected. Well, your salvation is perfected forever. We have to work it out of us, but we're perfected forever spiritually in Christ. And he goes on. But the Holy Spirit also uh, witness, uh, the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us after he had said before, this is the covenant that I have made with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Now watch this. I want to show you something great about our salvation. Right there is talking about the new heart that God puts in you when you get born again. Over in the book of Ezekiel, 36 verse 27, after this is said, and it said God gives you a new spirit, a new heart, then it says, God says, I will cause you to do my commandments. In other words, our salvation is so great that God not only saves us and makes us perfect, his power within us helps us and motivates us to do what he said in the Word. In other words, a, a true believer doesn't want to go against God, doesn't want to oppose God. His heart fights against it, and God is always causing him. I remember one time, and this was at uh, a church when it was smaller, and uh, there was a missionary there. And this missionary had kind of taken advantage of me at the church, and, and I was really kind of upset with it about it. And I'm in the service, and the Spirit of the Lord comes on me. And the Lord says, I want you to pray for him. I said, I don't want to pray for him. I'm upset with him. And the Lord's Spirit just came on me, and I said, I have to. I have to do it. I have to do it. God was causing me to do something I didn't want to do. But his power is so great. His salvation is so great. And I remember as I walked up and began to do that, the anointing of God fell all over me. And I'll tell you what, God's spirit on you changes what you do in your life. A lot of people, they're just trying to train, trying to change. God will help you change. He will break bad habits. He will take bad habits away from you. Uh, once his spirit starts to fall on you, it changes you, and God works within your heart to make you do things. And many of you know what I'm talking about if you're saved. You were really mad at somebody. You were mad at them for a long time, and, then, and God just kept at you and kept at you and kept at you. And you get into service, you start crying because the spirit of God's coming on you. And what do you usually end up doing at the end of the day? Telling the person, I'm sorry. It's God's spirit that makes you do that. It's his grace inside of you. Amen? Now, in the text then, let's look, look on it. It says, then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I love this. That means that all the mistakes that I've made in my life and all the ones you have, which are just as many as mine, when you stand before God, he doesn't bring them to remembrance. Now, remember, God is omniscient. God knows everything. Amen? He's all-knowing. 
But God chooses not to remember your sins so that he continually pour grace out in your life. Once the sacrifice was made for your sins, God purposely, that's why, if you, particularly if you study the seven churches, he never mentions sin to the seven churches. He mentions behavioral problems, but the sin was already taken care of in Christ. All the seven churches, God is using discipline on them, not justice, discipline. Discipline is a whole lot different than justice. Justice is you do this, you die. But discipline is grace and mercy. And God does this. In fact, many of the people that we've known in the faith over the years uh, are dead now. They're with Jesus. And you know why they're dead? Because God brought them to heaven, not because he put the disease on them or anything else, but many times God will allow a person to come home early to get them to heaven. I remember particularly a missionary one time. He was overseas, and uh, his son was killed in an auto accident. And, of course, you can imagine how troubled he was about it. And so he sought the Lord. I'm over here doing your will. Why did you let it happen? And his son had gone wayward. And this is what the Lord told him. He said, I allowed it to happen because if he kept what if, if, if he kept would have going the, the way that he was going, he would have ended up denying his faith. So I allowed him to come home early because of that. This is why you, you look in the Bible, you find uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, the man that was involved with incest, he was, the son was having an affair with his father's or with his stepmother. He was having an affair with her. And Paul said, when I'm there in the spirit, because Paul wasn't literally there, he said, when you get together, I want you to hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit might be saved. In other words, it's better to die prematurely and go to heaven than it is long and go to hell. Now, I know you probably don't want to hear this tonight, but I'm just going to preach it anyway. Amen? God, God will do drastic things to get his people into heaven. And that's what Paul meant when he said, many of you are seeking weekly, and some of you have fallen asleep because you have not judged yourself correctly. If you would have judged yourself correctly, these things would not have happened to you in your life. But God did it in order that you would not be, what, condemned with the world. Say amen. God does not discipline people who are not his children. He only disciplines those that are. And everybody that loved Jesus said amen. amen. Now, listen to this. I want you to hear this. When you came to Christ, God forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future. Every conceivable sin that you had ever commit, he, he paid the price for it. On the cross, once and for all. Now, some people don't believe that. They believe, well, they only forgave us up to, you know, salvation. And now we got to keep asking God over and over and over and over and over and over again. I want you to hear something. What you believe about your salvation in the past will determine what happens in the present and what happens in the future. Let me say that again. Whatever you believe 
concerning your salvation in the past. Have you been forgiven of all your sins or not? The Bible says you have. Have you been blessed with every spiritual blessing? You have. Have you been made righteous? You have. Have you been justified? You have. Have you been sanctified? You have. In other words, you're not in the process of being saved. You've been saved, and you're working out that salvation in your life. A big difference. Here's what happens if you believe you're in the process. I'm, I got saved here. I'm in this process. Then what happens is what happened in the past, because it's not complete or finished, in the present, you'll be pressured by demonic pressures, and in the future, there'll be uh, fear in your life because of that pressure. But when you know that you've been made righteous once and for all in the past, then in the present, you got peace, and in the future, you got faith. Glory to God. That's good preaching. Praise God. But you've got to believe the past when you got saved. It didn't say that you were kind of saved. It said you're saved. It says you're justified. It says you've been made righteous. Not in the process, made perfect righteousness in Christ Jesus. When I know I'm forgiven, whoo, it's easy to believe God. In other words, when I know that I've been forgiven, I'm sitting, I, I, I'm, I've been justified before God, then I can receive from God whatever I need. But if I think, well, there's still a few lingering sins in my life, I, I won't have the boldness to receive from Christ. And God wants you to be able to receive the blessing that you need to get the breakthrough in your life. That's why it's a finished work when you receive Christ. 1 John 5.11 says this. This is the testimony that we have, not going to, have received eternal life. I'm not going to get it at the end of my life. I got it right now. I have everlasting life right now. Are you hearing me? Life that lasts forever. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a simple thing, but what I have found is many people in the church are unable to receive from God simply because they don't believe what happened in the past the way the Scripture says. The Bible's clear. You're forgiven of all your sins when you come to Christ, period. The Bible's clear. When you come to Him, you're made righteous. You're not in the process of being made righteous. And the Bible is perfectly clear that you are perfected forever. Soon as you get saved. Forever. Hallelujah. But here's what happens if you don't believe that. Then what you try to do is things to earn what he has provided for you in salvation. Well, if I can just, get, if I can just be good enough... Or if I can just pray long enough, or if I can just hear the word, you know, and all of a sudden it's about if I can do this, if I can do this, I can do this and do this and do this, then maybe God then will forgive me. Or maybe then God will give grace to me when God doesn't do it that way. 
He doesn't do it that way. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't earn it. Now, I know if you're married, some of the men have to earn it once they're a jerk. Isn't that right? But in reality, with God, you, you, you can't earn it. When I got saved, I didn't say, Lord, okay, I'll tell you what, I got a lot of sins here, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to join the next Bible study. I'm going to go to church many times. I'm going to fast and pray and whatever, and then just maybe you will forgive all my sins. No, he forgave them all before I did, any, before I did anything. He forgave them all. Can you say Amen. Before you quit smoking, before you quit smoking dope, before you quit drinking, before you quit lusting, before he forgave you of all of that, before any of those things begin to change in your life. That's awesome. See, remember the goodness of God is what brings repentance. It isn't your effort that brings repentance. It's his goodness. You don't repent because if I do this, you know, God's going to give me this. You repent because God already gave you something. Remember the one caught in adultery? Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, this is bad what you did. I'll tell you what, you go to the synagogue for the next couple of months, and then maybe I'll forgive you and remove that condemnation. He didn't do that. He did it first before he asked her to go and sin no more. Romans says the goodness of God leads men and women and children to repentance. That's what causes us to repent, is his goodness. Why did you save me? I wasn't looking for you. It's his goodness. Why have you been in my life? Why did you rescue me? I wasn't even praying to be rescued, Lord. Why did you do that? It's his goodness. Why did you give me the wipe of my dreams? It's your goodness. And, and when you get the revelation of that, it produces holy living in your life because you were forgiven. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You didn't even plead for it. You just believed. And God forgave you everything that you needed in your life. See, tonight's message is not about the future. It's not about the present. It's about the past. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's the past of what Christ has done for you when you received him. It's the past that he sanctified you. It's the past that he forgave you. It's the past that he sealed you with his spirit. It's the past. And when you know the past, it creates peace in the presence and faith in the future. Most Christians, it's just the opposite. They got pressure in the presence. They're constantly struggling with this, constantly struggling. Uh, maybe if I'm better, maybe if I do this, I don't think God's pouring his grace on me, whatever. And it's all because they don't believe that God literally has removed all of their sins. Once you do that, it changes you. Amen? Amen? It's the way that you love your kids. They act stupid, but you love them because you're their kids. God just loves us. Hallelujah, before you're perfect. And this used to bother me when I first started out in the faith because I would see people that were 
kind of rough around the collar, get saved, and they were still smoking cigarettes and, and all that. And I, I said, Lord, what's going on? I thought they got saved. And the Lord reminded me, hey, get off their case. You forgot what you were like when you got saved. I've forgiven them, though. And because of that forgiveness and because of what I've done on the inside, they're going to begin to change and overcome these areas in their life. Can everyone say amen? Because, see, if you don't, here's what happens. And, and I came kind of out of a traditional church. I came out of the Catholic church. And they, they got it all screwed up. Uh, first of all, you've got to confess your sins all the time. So you've got a sin consciousness. And, and you're more aware of your faults than you are of the righteousness of God in your life. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, I've got to confess more sins. I've got to do these penance and all this stuff. And you just walk around sin conscious, sinning more than you normally sin because you're overly sin conscious instead of being righteous consciousness. Hey, because I'm righteous, I'm going to turn away from sin. Because I've been made the righteousness of God, I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the right thing because I have the authority. You you see the difference? But they had this thing. They said this. They said there's venial sins and there's mortal sins. They put them in categories. And the venial sin was like, well, I'm worrying, or I swore today on my job, on the freeway or whatever, or I lusted after a woman. That's a venial sin. But then they said, but a mortal sin. A mortal sin. If you die with a mortal sin, you go to hell. My question is, what is the mortal sin? And then the preachers come up with what they think is a mortal sin. You have a mortal sin because you were married and you left your wife and you married another woman and, you were, and you're an adulterous person. You're going to die and go to hell because of that. And we start putting these levels on these sins, which that's not what throws people in hell. It's rejecting Jesus that throws people in hell. That sins will mess your life up, but the reason why people go to hell isn't because they lied. It's because their name's not in the book of life. If they would have accepted Christ, they would be in the book, they'd be blessed. And besides that, if you've done as many funerals as I have, you've you, you got to deal with these issues. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Samson. Because uh, many Catholics believe that, and this is no slam on Catholics, they're brother, sisters too, but they believe that if somebody commits suicide, they go to hell. Well, what about Samson? He committed suicide. He pushed the pillars apart. He knew it was going to kill him. What about Saul? He fell on his sword. So you can find, you can find examples in the Bible of people, and they still went to paradise. Well, it's got to be adultery then. Well, what about David? David's up on his hoff's top, you know, palace, should be out fighting, sees this gorgeous babe and taking a, a bath, which I don't know why she's doing in the public anyway, but he saw her and he got, you know, that was the Playboy day of the, you follow what I'm saying? So he had the party, he invited, he has sex with her. Ah, I got away with it, I got away with it. She gets pregnant. And then her husband is one of the most loyal and faithful soldiers to David there is. In fact, when the battle's over, he won't go back and sleep with his wife, uh, the Hittite, because he wants to be loyal to the king, to the battle, and he doesn't want the pleasure of marriage. 
And so what does David have to do? He puts him on the front line. He gets killed. So he commits murder and then marries the woman he had adult, uh, an adulterous relationship with. And yet the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. He obviously needed some sanctification. But my point is, it's not the sin. It's the sin of rejecting Jesus. Everything else changes for the better if you've been forgiven. Because God's spirit begins to work out in your life the good things that God has for you. Can you say amen, everybody? Now, here's the beauty of this. When the, you know, I piece a lot on Mark eleven twenty four. whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. You can't really believe you receive unless you believe what I'm preaching tonight. Because you've got to believe that you're forgiven, that you're righteous, and you can stand before God, and you have been sanctified, and you're holy, and you can stand before God to petition God to receive from God what he's offering to you. But if you look at your own life and the, and the things that we do in our lives, you'll never have great faith. But you'll always have great faith if you believe the past, that he forgave me of all my sins, that he who knew sin was made sin in order that I might be or you might be made the righteousness of God. I'm not any more righteous today than I was when I got saved. Now, I've worked out more sanctification in my life. But spiritually, I'm not one ounce any more righteous. And my righteousness is perfect because it didn't come from me. It came from Jesus. As he is, the Bible says, so are we in this world. Whew, boy, I tell you, that, that, that bless you, that, that gets you up there. Now, let me show this to you from this perspective. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I'm not sure I gave that to the... Oh, I did. Okay. I want you to look at this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, notice he talks about he was around before there was, and he was around when there is, and he's around in the future. So he's talking about past, present, and future. A parallel verse to this is Hebrews 13, 8, that says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. An illustration of this would be the burning bush. Moses said, who do I say sent me here? And he says, just tell him I, I am told you. In other words, tell him that I've always been here, always will be here, and always am here. In other words, I'm eternal. God is eternal. And you have eternal life. Do you understand what eternal life means? It means all the way into the past. Before creation, God cleansed and prepared you for a time such as this. Every aspect of time is in your salvation. Oh, my goodness. This is why, now watch this. Even though we make mistakes, God will restore us. 
Even though some of you may have been divorced, God still can restore you. Even though you may have done a horrible thing, God still restores you. You know why? Because on the cross, he forgave you of all your sins, past, present, and future, and the remission of sins. The remission of sin is the consequences of sin. Now, what does the consequences of sin mean? It means that Christ on the cross also died for our consequences, which, by the way, are curses, generational curses. Things passed down from the past by your father, by your daughter, by your children. It's passed down. You go to the doctor, what do they do? Do you have uh, any heart issues in your family? family? Why? Because it's a curse. It's generational curses passed down in our bodies. But the great news is this. When you got saved, the DNA you need to cure generational curses is spiritually inside of you. You may have bad DNA in your flesh, but in your spirit is a DNA that is curse-free because Christ forgave us of the curse. And you can use your faith on that DNA inside, and it will eventually affect your body and drive that curse out. Because it is a curse. Sickness is a curse. That doesn't mean that you created it. It just means that you, were, you got it from your forefathers or whatever, and, they, and it gave you a bad DNA. It, it's a curse. But your spiritual life has the DNA to cure it. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, you know, my... Uh, my dad, he, he died when he was 60 from heart conditions, and, and I'll probably die from that too. Don't say that. Death of lives in the power of the seven. No, 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 I'm born again. Praise God. I have the DNA. My, I was redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm, I'm redeemed from the physical curse that was passed down from my parents' sin and their parents' sin, and I just claim my healing right now. Praise God. I'm going to live to be old and prosperous and exciting. Hallelujah. I'm going to have the strength that, that Caleb had when I'm 80, that I had when I was 40. Hallelujah. I'm a racquetball guy. Come on, everybody. Come on. That's, that's what... But that, that's, what, that's how great our salvation is. And what I love about the verse where it says that he was, that he is, and he will come, is it shows us that God is in the past, he's in the present, in the future. So when he saved you, all those areas you were set free in. Amen? So your past can't stop you, your present can't stop you, and your future can't stop you any way, shape at all. Well, let me give you a silly illustration. I, many of you probably watched this movie. It's probably not a good movie to watch. It's called Terminator. It's an old movie. How many of you remember Terminator? You know, it's the big AI thing right now. Amen? But in the movie, a guy from the future goes back to the past to change the past so that the future will be saved. So what Jesus did, he came, and for us, it's in the past to change the future of the world and creation. Amen. What he did on the cross 2,000 years ago has opened up opportunities. It's opened up blessings. It's opened up healing. It's opened up prosperity. It's opened up overflow. Praise, praise God. Hallelujah. So you're not Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was the bad guy. But you are the good guy who's Jesus, who's literally changed the future by what he did in the past, it affects everything. 
And I love this because if you've been saved for very long, you've all said things like this. Gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I would have made a better decision. Oh, I regret doing this. I regret doing that. We all have regrets. But when you understand how great your salvation is, it is so great that the past and the present and the future has been sanctified and blessed for your sake so that you have a future and a hope in your life. And you may come out of the rough, the weeds, man, but I'll tell you what, if you got Christ, God has predestined a future for you that is outstanding, over the top, a future of blessings, not curses in your life. Ooh, man, I tell you what, that is really good. So even though we realistically have that, see, a lot of us, we, we don't understand that when we were born again, we were born eagles. When you got saved, you were born an eagle. You didn't become an eagle. You were born an eagle. And we may be running with some turkeys, but we are eagles. And we may be acting like some of the turkeys, but we are eagles. And if you just focus in on what you are instead of the environment you're in right now, what you are will eventually begin to flap its wing, begin, eventually begin to soar, eventually begin to do better than God can imagine to do. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let me wind this down quickly because I am running out of time. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read to you some verses in verse 3 down to verse 7. And I want you to notice how I read these scriptures how our salvation is now something that you have received, not something you're going to receive. It says, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has, say has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. I said every, every spiritual blessing. Now watch this. Just as he chose us from the foundation of the world in him. In other words, God didn't choose you after you chose him. He chose you before you chose him. You were God's selection for excellence. You were God's uh, selection for breakthrough. You were his excellence. Hallelujah. And so it says there that uh, just as he chose us from the foundation of the world, and it says to be holy without blame, Glory to God. Think about that. You can't be holy by what you do. It's got to be from what Christ did. You can't stand before him without blame unless you're standing in his righteousness. Amen? And then it says, having predestined us to adoption. I always remember when you see the word predestination, it always, it's always uh, the byproduct of foreknowledge. God sees in the future and he predestines things. So he predestined us to adoption, it says. Say adoption. To be children to Christ Jesus himself, according to his good pleasure, it says. And then this last part, I love it, he says this. It says, praise to the glory of his grace. Just say that with me. Praise to the glory of his grace. Who has accepted us in the beloved. In other words, you're already accepted. 
From the foundation of the world, you were accepted. You don't have to do something to be accepted. You're already accepted because you received Christ. You've been accepted in the beloved. And then you go down to verse 11, and it says, We have obtained an inheritance. Not going to have right now. Then you go on to a little bit farther, and it says, And God has sealed us with the Spirit, which is a guarantee. Woo! You know what a guarantee means? It means whoever guarantees it uh, will defend it and support it and do what he said he would do. You know what God said he would do for you? And it's a guarantee that he'll do it? Do you know what he said? He said, my sheep hear my voice. When you're born again, you hear his voice. There's nobody in church that's saved that can't hear from God. That's what he said he would do. That's the guarantee. And he said this. He said, no one will be able to take you out of my hand. I said, no one. No one. No one. Paul said it this way. Death, life, demons, angels can't separate you from the love of God. That's his guarantee. That means that he's going to back up whatever you say. And he'll do whatever is necessary to fulfill what his word says he would do. And he said, if I got you in my hand, no one's going to be able to take you out of my hand. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had your faith get really wiped out, and you know, Lord, I know you're not going to let me go. I know you're not going to leave me. I know you're not going to forsake me. That's the very thing that keeps you afloat. And then in that moment, God's grace falls on you, and God begins to pick you up, and you feel like a sailboat with, big, with a big sail, and the wind of the Spirit is blowing on you, and you feel His power, and you realize, Lord, I would never make it to the end without you. I would never be able to continue believing. Oh, glory to God. That's the guarantee that God will always do that for you. Now, let me, I want you to write this statement down. Salvation is not a goal to be achieved. It is a gift to receive. Let me say it again. Salvation is not a goal to uh, obtain. It is a gift to receive. It isn't I got to strive, 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 strive until I get eternal life. No, it's a, you have to receive that gift. And let me show you how you can say, you can It'll change your continence the way you are. Remember the parable? Jesus did two parables. He said, there was a lady that had coins. She lost them. And it said she looked all through the house trying to find the coins. Once she found the coins, oh, I found the coins that was lost. And she tells her friends, I found the coin that was lost. And she's so excited. And then he gives the illustration of the shepherd. He lost a sheep, leaves the 99, and goes and finds the sheep that was lost and comes back. And everybody's excited. That which is lost, I found it. That's the way we should be when we're in worship. We should realize with our hands up, praising God, that, Lord, I was lost, but you found me. But if you're depressed, you obviously don't realize that you were lost and God found you, that you were in death and God took you out of death, that God found you. It's, it's time to rejoice. He found you. You're no longer lost. You're no longer lost at all. Man, I tell you what, when I see that in my heart, it just, it really transforms me. And one of the things I think that 
helps me in this area is the fact whenever I'm ministering to people in love, I always have to remember that what they're doing is not necessarily who they are. There's three references in the New Testament of a list of things that people do that don't inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the bad news. All of us were on the list. You were on the list at some time. Can you say amen? But then he says on the bottom after he reads the list of adulteries and fornicates, sodomites, all that. And then on the bottom, bottom he says this. You were such, but you were saved and you were washed in the blood. Hallelujah. Even though I did the wrong things, God washed me. Even though I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, when I came to Christ, God changed me. And there's a power in this. There's a, there's a power in this. When you understand that I was lost and God found me, and now God has me, I'm the sheep of his pasture. I can hear the voice of the shepherd. God, oh man, he holds us in his right hand, praise God. There's power in that. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River app, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.